This month we've been talking about the book of James and how exciting it is to, uh, to unpack the book of James. And James is, uh, as you know, such a cool guy. Uh, you know, and as, as we said, it's around 48 AD this book has been written. comes out of the, the early places of the formation of the early church around Acts 15. Uh, does uh, James start to write as his job is to take over the training of the disciples? And if you thought Jesus was pretty uh, hard on things, James is going, this is how it's going to go. He doesn't leave you wondering at all. <laughs> and he unpacks it from, as I said at the beginning, and James 1, as a servant leader. So he has this heart of a servant, but he also has the leadership gift. And so we talked about servant leadership as James uh, alludes to the thought of the, about his life. And so James says in James, a, a bond servant of God, verse 1, and a Lord Jesus Christ, he said, I want to be known as this person. This is, this is the tag I want to go with my name. This is who I want to be known as, a servant of God and a, bond, and a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thought, what a great, you know, I don't know what you'd stick beside your name. Who are you? You know, type, type thing. This is, he said, I want to be known by this. This is my, hand, this is my handle. This is how I want to be known. And he goes on in verse, uh, we pick it up in verse 12. And uh, I just want to go through a few areas just to cover a bit of scripture tonight. But it says in verse 12, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. When he's been proved, he'll receive a crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Isn't that amazing? Blessed is a man who what? Endures, overcomes temptation. When he's been proved, he'll receive a crown. Isn't that wonderful? Temptation. We talked about the other week, there's three things or three understandings we have about sin is one thing, sin is called missing the mark. So it's just missing the mark. Uh, temptation is listed to transgression. Uh-huh. So when I'm tempted, I, I actually know that I'm doing wrong, but I still choose to do it anyway. It's temptation. It's, it's moving beyond what I know to be right and still choosing to be tempted. I'm tempted and I give it a temptation, therefore I've sinned. I've missed the mark. And so temptation is something that uh, can come upon people's lives. Always the devil was tempting Jesus. And it's an interesting thing is that I always say to people with temptation and you're tempted about things, do not make up your mind when you are tempted. Make up your mind before you are tempted. Uh huh. So if you have an issue with drugs, make up your mind before you go to the party that you'll not take drugs, not when someone offers it you. Make a decision. Temptation, you can make a decision before you're tempted so you don't transgress. The word transgress means that uh, essentially your conscience is seared, which sort of means if, if that you know, finger was like that and this part here was seared, which was like burnt with a hot iron so it becomes numb, uh -huh, then I could go past where I'd normally be stopped by a conscience. I'd go, don't do that. That's silly. Don't do that. You know, and you stop, but when your conscience becomes seared, you transgress. You go across the point where you shouldn't have actually gone across. And so temptation is real for people. It's what you do with temptation, not the challenge of temptation, so to speak. Then there's iniquity. So we have iniquity that gets around our life. Iniquity is the sin, basically the evil that we haven't committed, that our parents have committed, that we have to deal with. And so that's, that's important to, to appreciate these, these categories. So when James is talking here, he's talking about this, that blessed man who endures or overcomes temptation because it's true to all of us. Uh -huh. And so in that temptation, we can, as I said, make up our mind to go, I will not be tempted again in that area to do that. 
I will be made strong. And all of a sudden, my conscience, instead of being seared, starts to rise up and put a barrier there to go, this is not good for me. Uh-huh. When I was younger, I used to smoke a bit. Not much, but we used to smoke cigars and do that. And I realized one day that my life will be a lot shorter if I smoke. And I enjoyed living, and I don't want to do it, but it's tempting to actually smoke. Uh-huh. When I, you know, with alcohol and stuff like that, it's tempting because it's good and it was fun and I did these things and stuff, but not always good. Uh, but, you know, now I have a resilience to that where I'm not uh, enticed by that temptation. Uh, does, you know, you can tempt me and put a beer and you know, I laugh and think I'm an idiot and, you know, I've been through all the pub jokes and fights and stuff like that, you know, and like, seriously, what are you trying to do? You know, go and drink as much as you want, swim in it, but it's not for me, you know, because I've, I've built a resilience there, uh-huh, and so I can be tempted now, but you're just wasting your time, devil, to be tempted in that particular area, and we'll all have those areas, no matter what it looks like, to be negative sometimes, to be, you know, Pastor Josh is doing the offering, and you know, all of a sudden you've got a bad attitude about that. Why have I got such a bad attitude about giving, or whatever it might be, you might be tempted to sin, or tempted to, to have a, a negative sort of thing. But the Bible says those who overcome temptation, James is saying, don't think it's just a waste. Don't think you're, you're just doing it for yourself. Because when he has been proved, he'll receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And let no one, no one say he's tem- when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God, because God will never cause you to sin. Never cause you to sin. And so it is. It goes on. Uh, so, uh, For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does God he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own, in, own desires and enticed. And so what it's talking about is it's talking about taking responsibility. Take a bit of responsibility. So, oh, the other guy offered it to me, so I didn't want to be impolite and I, I wanted to be able to. No, 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 no. It talks about being able to do that. And that's what the book of James essentially, it's tough talk. It's real talk. It's honest talk. As I said, James doesn't leave you wondering. And the two things that he talks about essentially through the whole book, the two things that the book is set up around is our faith and manners. The two things that are set up. Being able to have faith and know what faith is about, and to have the right manners in any situation. I thought, well, little things, aren't they? I learned something recently about manners. This might help you. That when you go out with your girl, or when you go out, you never put your phone on the table. You never put your phone, it's like, Shirley and Dee, you'd appreciate this, a telephone. Remember a telephone? You know, it's stuck in the, it was about that big, wasn't it? About as big as a shoebox. And you had this phone, you know, and it was attached to the wall and you had this curly lead and, you know, you had to sit there while everyone was talking to you. You couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't watch the cat or something. You had to be able to stay in the corner, you know, where the phone was, you know. And, uh, and, you know, and I always think it's funny when you go out for tea. Don't put your phone on the table. And I think about that phone stuck on the table. You know? <laughs> in a house I had in Victoria, I actually had one of those old phones where you wound it like that and you pulled the thing off and held it to your ear and you spoke into a thing. I, it wasn't an old one, like as in 
a remade one. It was the real one. <laughs> it was in that house for years, and that's what it had. And, and, and I always think it's funny. Don't put your phone on the table. when <laughs> Today, phones are small, aren't they? They're a smartphone, so it tells us you know, a computer and everything. I know that, and a camera and everything. But when you go out for dinner, do not put it on the table. Put it somewhere else, because the most important person is the person you're sitting with, not the person that's about to ring you that you hope is going to about to ring you. Huh? And I thought, little things. And James is a sort of guy that, not so much that, but he's come along and he's going, remember the manners and the customs of our time. Come on, guys. I want you to remember these things, you know. And he calls them to attention over these things because he said, as we form a community, uh, because he's talking about the birthing of the early church, as we form a community, I don't want you to get sloppy. I don't want you to get, you know, uh, slip away and think what's acceptable in your house is acceptable at everyone's house. He said, I want, there's a standard here. I'm going to draw a line. I want you to be not single-minded about this. I want you to be double-minded. Uh, not to be double-minded, sorry. I want you to be single-minded. You were listening. Uh-huh. <laughs> about this whole approach. And, and he goes on. He says, you get double-minded. You're not going to get anything from God. He's pretty straight about this whole approach. And I love James. How many people like him? He's, some people don't. He's like he's a bit scary uh, sort of guy. And he goes on and talks about this, this whole aspect of, of owning your faith and being responsible. And here, blessed is a man who endures temptation, overcomes temptation. And then he goes on and he said, uh, he goes on, he talks about, James explains not being double-minded. He said, you must retrain the workings of passion in your life. You must retrain the workings of passion in your life. Do not be double-minded. You can have two passions. He said, don't be like that. Be single-minded. And and you sort of go, whoa, mental health issues there, isn't there? The word double-minded comes from the word, he mentions the word schizophrenia. Being schizophrenic in your approach. And some people who are schizophrenic want to have two boyfriends, two girlfriends, two cats, two, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, you know, and, and they can't just be one thought about anything. And he gives the, the solution there, and he also gives the challenge there. But he says, you, you need to explain not to be double-minded and retrain the workings of your passion. Be ready to hear and consider what God's Word teaches. Some people just let it wash over their mind and don't consider what God's Word teaches, and walk out letting God's Word be a hammer to recorrect or readjust their focus. You know, like I'm just sharing tonight about, I just use that as an example, the phone. How many of you will do that? (laughs) Really? And and he's mentioning manners like this all the way through. How many are going to do this? And the people walked out just the same as they walked in, and nothing changed. And that became the problem because week after week, James is going, guys, if we're going to live in community, we have to be able to change and adjust to the Word of God as it is communicated to us because there is an expectation in the Word that we would adjust to the Word when we've heard the Word because he says in there, don't just become a hearer of the Word, be a doer of the Word. So it tells us that servanthood is attached to salvation. Otherwise, he said, you will become deceived because you've only learned to hear. You've not learned to apply what you've heard. And you'll deceive yourselves. And I thought, whoa. I remember in the early days when we used to sit in, I, for me anyway, we used to sit in church. Because it was all new to me. I used to sit there and the pastor would say, come on, we're going to, you know, do this. And, and we, we just all do it. The tomorrow, we, he said, right. 
We're going to be positive people because positivity is the, the next step is faith. You've got to get positive before you can get faith around your life. You've got to get your thinking right. You'll never get faith if you're negative all the time. And then on the next day, we're correcting each other. We're adjusting each other. We're walking in being positive because that's what was preached. We became doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. And we have in the world today, the Christian world and the, the world, that we become judges of the communication. Didn't like it, didn't like that, didn't like that, too loud, you know, wasn't at the right time. Was you know, we become judges of that, which is really just a sneaky way of avoiding it. But we've got to be people who, who drop all that facade and be people who stand up and go, I'm going to obey the Word of God because it's right and true for my life. In fact, I've come to a place, that you would say, I've come to a place where I believe the Word of God is smarter than me. Uh-huh. That seems, it seems weird to say, doesn't it, Jane? But it's true. But it's not true for everybody. It's not true for unbelievers. And so James lists out, if you go through it carefully, uh, Matthew Henry talks about that. He, he goes through and he lists out different types of Christians, different types of people who, who had an appreciation for some things and they were ready to hear and consider what God's Word said instead of excluding or coercing God into challenges. Let's open our ears to what he's saying to us, they talked about, uh-huh. and how important that was. We, we have today a, a, another word that we use instead of sin. It's called problem. I've got a problem. I've got a lot of problems. Some people come in the office and they say, oh, look, I've got a lot of problems. I need to talk to you, Pastor Stuart. I say, well, let's talk about how the Bible talks about it. It's a lot of sin because your sin can have caused your, caused your problems by not living the Word of God. So let's talk about your sin, because the Bible says if you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness, which means put you on the right track. Oh, I don't want to confess my sin. I want to tell you what my problems are. So now it's all about you, not about God working in your heart. And so now we need counselors. Now we need professionals. Now we need a lot of people, and praise God for them. But the reality of that is it's down the wrong track. It's wasting your time rather than going, hey, I've got these things, this sin in my life that keeps reoccurring that causes me to, to live a life where I'm transgressing all the time and I don't want to transgress. Transgression, remember, doing things that I know are wrong but still doing them. Uh-huh. How do I be able to do that? Iniquities, might, as I said, might be a different deal. They're things that your parents may have put, put over, over you like that. This morning we talked about, I'm going to ask Pastor Josh to wrap up tonight, but this morning we talked, and what he thinks about the book of James. But this morning we talked about that in the year 5,780 that we live in. I think this is a key to solu the solution. Is 5,780 that we live in. In the Hebrew calendar, the year has already started. As you know, the Hebrew year starts around October, end of September, October. And, and so it's a year of decreeing and declaring truth, which essentially is wisdom. So it's a year of speaking. And I believe, as I said this morning, the church, Sunday, Sunday night people are good people, uh, the church needs to turn the volume up. We don't need to do anything different. We just need to turn the volume up on the truth that we're proclaiming. We need to get more confident. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul said. And so I'm able to speak out the counsel of God in my situations, around my circumstances, no matter what it is. And so as I said this morning, is that the only way you'll be able to speak out the counsel of God in real terms is if your heart is full of the Word of God. And so I drew it. I'll draw it better tonight. This is a filing cabinet side on. The drawer's out. Whew. 
That looks better than the one this morning, doesn't it? So it's what my fi- what I fill the filing cabinet with, which is my heart. Uh huh. Essentially, that's my heart. So I'm filling that with the Word of God. So when the Holy Spirit comes along in my life to my circumstance, He can access things out of the filing cabinet of my heart. My heart is filled with the counsel of God. Huh? That's the goal of God. He doesn't want you to just carry your Bible around forever. He wants the Word in your heart. <laughs> so, do I, so you don't have to carry the Bible because it's in you now. Does that make sense? And so that's, that's the power. People say, well, look, I don't know what to say. That's because you need more Word in your heart. Whereas Bible college, reading the Word of God or whatever. So it's in your heart so the Holy Spirit can access that at a time of need. And so the truth is real. And I believe a lot of people uh, lie sick and lie trouble because their confession is still negative. I worked with a guy uh, in uh, early days. Uh, he was a mental health nurse, but he was over mental health wards. And he said, we're trying a new process of helping people. I said, how does that actually work? And he said, the process has been like this. Well, we have a dossier on people. Some is really thick and fat. And, and we open it up and we sit down with them. We counsel with them. How have you been? What's happened to you? How are things going? Stuff like that. You know, you've been good. And what happened? And how did that happen? And what did that happen in the past? And yes, that's true. You're still telling this. You know, you're still mentally sound. You're telling us this for the 15th time. He said, what we've done is we've decided to stop that. And what we're going to do is we're going to have a dossier on what we ask the question. The big question is this, how are you going to live and what are you going to do when you get out of here? And that tells us more about the sanity of the person versus them relaying their past of how they got to here. Because it doesn't move them, it just goes back into their past, up to the now, back into the past, up to now. And it said, now we're going to, and it said, we're finding more success by doing that, that people start confessing their future, confessing their hope, hearing it for themselves, and coming alive in that, in that whole thing. And we're seeing people booking out all over the joint because of this new system. And I thought, well, praise God, here it is again in the Word of God. There's nothing new under the sun. Here we, here we are where we've got this. And so when we go through crises or Christian, as Christians and challenges that, you know, God has... We need to be people who can access, Holy Spirit, access what's in the filing cabinet that's an appropriate scripture for this situation. Uh-huh. What's an, an appropriate uh, message for this situation? What's an appropriate uh, story or parable for this situation I'm actually going through? And I can hold on to the Word of God by faith, calling those things which are not as though they were, and letting the Word get in my heart, but draw me out of myself into the truth and into the future, the preferred future that God has for me. Is that too simple? And so how powerful can that actually be? That when you're going through a crisis, uh, let's use it as I did this morning, when you wake up in the morning. What's going to happen? Birds are singing. Okay, uh, I'm awake. Am I awake? Oh, man. Nah. What's the first thing that comes out of your mouth? You know, what should be the first thing that comes out of your mouth? Come on. <laughs> There's a good one. Thank God I'm alive. <laughs> yeah. What else is that? What's a good scripture? This is. Come on. This is the day the Lord's made. He's made it for me. No one's ever used it before. Uh huh. This is the day the Lord's made. And I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad in it. Uh huh. Well, I don't want to do that. I want to feel sorry for myself. I want to. I think I ate that pizza, it was too late last night. And all of a sudden we're caving in 
to the flesh. All of a sudden we're caving in to all these things that can dictate and guide our life. Really just guide our life in a very negative way. Someone said once uh, that your stomach is like your second brain. I was talking to someone recently and they said, I went through a bout where my stomach was so upset and, and so, uh, you know, just bad, like for about a year. And I made such bad decisions all year because my stomach was not in a good position. You know, people when they're in pain make very different decisions than they make if they're not in pain. And so it is when it's very powerful when you and I can wake up in the morning, condition ourselves, because you're going to think something. Might as well be right. And wake up and say, this is the day the Lord's made. And all of a sudden your emotions are going to take a back seat. And then you go, this is the day the Lord's made. I am made in the image of God. Today I'm a brand new creation. No one's ever used today. And I'm going to go, God, what do you, how am I going to fill today with your purpose and your direction? How am I going to make sure I can make good business decisions today? God, help me make good business. God, I'm blessed today. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. God, I'm going to walk in newness of life today. I'm going to walk in what you've called me today. What, what are you going to do, you know? I meet people that wake up and, you know, we go different places. You mean, people wake up and they go, oh, my son didn't ring me last night. I'm going to kill him when I find him. No, you're not. Why are you saying that? Why, why, why do you say that and make it seem so relevant? If I killed your son, you'd be crying. at the, You'd be upset. You'd be angry at me. I'd be in all these things because I did what you said you wanted to do. Why do we talk like that? The last devil that Jesus defeated was what? Spirit of death on the cross. The last spirit that sometimes we defeat in life is a spirit of death. Uh-huh. That just wants to speak deathly words over our life. Uh, Yongi Cho said it like this. He said, there's a center in your brain that actually acts like this. He was talking to a neurosurgeon that when you tell your brain something, it has a command center that goes, yes, sir. I feel sick. You know what the command center does? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Oh, I'm really tired today. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. And your whole body starts to adjust itself to the truth of what you're saying out of your mouth. Uh-huh. It's a command center. And it's put in there by God to be refreshed and renewed by the Word of God. We, James calls it prayer. We call it confession, same thing. Getting up and to confess those things and do those things and establish those things. In the early days of pastoring, my pastor used to teach me, when you build in the Spirit, you build it in the Spirit. This is the day the Lord's made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. God, you've got great things for now. I'm going to prosper and be blessed. As I said, last couple of weeks I've been doing that and I was standing in the car park the other Sunday morning and I'm a blessed person. I'm blessed to be a blessing. People give me money all the time for the purpose of God. People are always giving me money. I speak it out. A guy turns up in the car park as I'm standing out minding my own business. He said, I, I want to give you $20,000 for that freshwater, freshwater care vision. $20,000, just like that, you know? Come on, how much do people want to give you? But because you haven't got the confession of your faith and believe, building it in the Spirit, a godly environment, a godly attitude around your life, uh-huh, because your spirit is bigger than your being. It surrounds you. Uh-huh. The glory of God can surround you. When people walk into that, they feel blessed and appreciated. They feel encouraged. They I, I sit down with people. How many people, and I guarantee there'll be people in here that would say this. How many people, you sit down with people and they start telling you things and they say things like this. I've never told these things to people before. 
I can't believe I'm telling you. How, how come I'm te- I, I don't know why. You know why? Because they've stepped into that anointing around your life. Uh-huh. They've stepped into the blessing of God around your life. They feel safe. They feel encouraged. It's not you, it's God. But it's what you built around your life. They can trust you. They feel that God can trust you. You know, there's a whole lot of things that start to happen as we build. Around. So I encourage you in this year, 5,780, it is the year you've got God's support and you've got God's backing to be a person who confesses louder than you've confessed before. Confession doesn't mean thinking it. It means speaking it. It means being able to speak it and speak it loud. And I don't know about you, but I want to be part of a church or a community or a group of people that all have the same confession volume. Uh-huh. Yeah. Come on, this is, this is what we're going to do. Huh. I was speaking to Pastor Alan just before Josh comes in. He, he's saying, I walked into that lady, and that lady, you know, she leaped out of bed, and he went to a party at her house the other day. They were going to turn off the life support system. He just walked in, be healed in Jesus' name, loud, strong, bold. It wasn't the first time he'd said it. And the anointing touched that lady's life, and she's out of bed now. They were just about to turn the life support. She's out of bed, and she had a party at her house, thanking, and she's starting to plan to go overseas trips and all this sort of stuff. Huh? But within two days, he went into another place, another hospital room, and the ladies are in there, and they're talking. He said, I went in, and he said, they asked me in to pray for this lady. She was very unwell, and the word had got out, word on the street. And, and, and these two ladies, he said, they were Christian ladies, and he said, oh, good, you know. Like, he said, all they're talking about is coffee. Oh, I had this coffee, and I did this coffee and stuff. And the lady's lying, and she's dying in bed. She's got days to live, and she's lying there. They're talking about coffee. And he goes, oh, what's, the lady said, what sort of coffee do you like? He goes, lady, I'm not here for coffee. I'm here to minister to this lady. She's dying. And they went, oh, yeah, right. that's what we're meant to be here for too. Sorry. He said, move out of the way, please. And he walked over and then he just started to decree. And he, he broke it down. He, he got some coffee. <laughs> hear me right. He got some coffee and some biscuit and had communion with the lady. They had communion together and she cried. He ministered to her. Pat was there. He ministered to to the lady and he said come on we're going to pray and he said he said i felt to read that whole chapter in revelations about heaven so he said i started to read the chapter of revelations about heaven and what heaven's like and she started to cry and, and do that and these ladies started to cry as well you know why because the potential was earlier all the time but because of the way they were trained or lack of training or discipleship they didn't know what to do in that situation now freshwater people wouldn't have done that uh-huh I get in there and talk about that. You're there to be an able minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Eh? And if that was you or your mum lying in bed, you won't want people goofing around in the hospital bed. Jesus said to those sort of people, get out of the room. I don't need your unbelief in here. You know? Now, oh, I've been Christian for 40 years. What? <laughs> You've been in the way. <laughs> in the Old Testament, they say, they're in the way. Yeah, I know you're in the way. Get out of the road. <laughs> so we can let some, something happen. And, and so the praise God for that sort of situation. And James was like this. He was strong. He was deliberate. He was purposeful. And he never left you wondering, did he, Pastor? 